motherfucking Eagle Double G. Snoop Dogg. You know I'm hopping with the D R E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who's back up in this motherfucker? Podcast. How you doing? I'm already done. This is this it. is Annie. This is already a pretty good podcast for 8 a.m. on a Sunday. This is Bill. <laughs> yeah, poor Bill. I made Bill do this way way early because I want to go to the Rose City Comic Con today here in scenic Portland, Oregon. This is just cutting into my 8 a.m. Sunday uh, masturbating time, so I'm not losing that much. I was I, waiting for that. And I mean, I can just do it while we're recording too, so I can just you know kill two birds <laughs> with one stone. Yes, we are once more doing a Google Hangout recording. This time we are also doing a separate track recording that Bill will hopefully be able to what, like, Which is funny because well, my I'm MacBook not... hates GarageBand and always crashes, so the chances of me actually getting through this whole episode without a crash and without totally screwing up a recording will be... Uh, pretty much zero, uh, zero, so we'll see what happens there. So this is pretty much Wild West here, my friends. Yeah. Um, um but anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go to the Rose City Comic Con today, I'm really excited about it. What time does that open up? 10 o'clock? i some things. Uh, I think at either 10 or 11. Oh, okay. I mean, but I gotta tell you, this is the second year of the Rose City Comic Con, uh, it's first year affiliated with the Emerald City Comic Con, which is supposed to be an amazing con up in, um, Seattle. But yes, I did not go yesterday for a couple of reasons, but a big one was it costs $20 to yeah, get Yeah, what, today's like 15 Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny, because I'm, I'm just used to Stumptown prices, which actually even Stumptown's gotten a little expensive. I think this year was like at least 10 bucks to get through the door. And so 15 bucks on See, Sunday for, for this con doesn't sound, sound like that much once you think about that. Ten dollars is my limit. Yeah, man. and in Stumptown, for people who don't know, that's the local uh, comic book convention here. That's kind of like the indie comic convention, and yeah, well, twenty bucks though. I mean, you do have like you do have like the you know people from Futurama and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Portland usually does not have this kind of kind of convention. Like I said, Stumptown was kind of like the big, not even the big, but like. That was kind of like the big local convention. Even that was all very indie. It didn't have like TV stars or anything like that. Like uh, some yeah, this is like yeah, Stumptown's biggest guest would be right. like Craig Thompson or somebody. Um, whereas this yeah, has got like yeah, you exactly. might, like this has Avery Brooks from Star Trek, uh, Deep Space Nine. Which that's oh man, it kills me because I would love to go see him. But on, on top of the twenty dollar entrance fee. Uh, it's also, like, if you want to go, I forgot that, like, people sign for autographs and stuff. And I do, I would just like to say, hey, thanks for making one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I'm not even worried about getting an autograph, but, you know, I would probably have to pay at least, was it $40 for an autograph? So just even get near him, at, unless I want to piss next to him in the bathroom, just wait for him to show up in the bath, which I'm sure I wouldn't be the first person <laughs> to do that to a celebrity guest at a Comic-Con. But, yeah, it's just like, how much money do I want to invest on just, like, fist-bumping crazy Avery Brooks? So, Bill, I really like the idea of you paying $20 to go into this convention than just waiting in the bathroom <laughs> I like sure at the urinal, dick in yeah. hand, just waiting. Uh, according <laughs> to my friend Greg on Twitter, he said that the convention center ran out of toilet paper pretty early in the day yesterday, too. So, growing pains for a Portland convention. Um, and yeah, it has, it has, but like, yeah, this is interesting because. It's, it's, well, no, I'm just saying in terms of guests and stuff like that, they have the guy who was the Flash Gordon in the 1980 Flash Gordon movie, who they're advertising as the original Flash Gordon, which is funny to say. Wait, what? Yeah, that doesn't, if, 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 if it's the Flash Gordon from 1980, you can pretty much guarantee that is not the original Flash Gordon. I think they're trying to differentiate exactly. this between, like, a sci-fi had a Flash Gordon 
the Sci-Fi Network had a Flash Gordon TV show a couple years ago. I guess they're trying to differentiate between that, but, like, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. You were saying something I crudely interrupted. Uh-huh. What? Yeah, I was going to say something. It's okay. So who are you going to go see at <laughs> no, uh, City Con? I'm actually, the folks I'm most excited about seeing are the team who do Six Gun. Yeah. Um, I've talked about Six Gun at length uh, here on Comic-Con, or on, on Boy Howdy, but uh, and this will actually give me a chance to segue into the next thing I want to discuss. I had, uh, I met... I met uh, the Six Gun editor from Oni and a uh, straight-up stand-up guy, Charlie Chu, mm-hmm. at a party a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's just a really lovely guy, and his lady friend is lovely. And I was, we were like, well, we need to be social in a context where I can actually have a conversation with you. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I had drinks with him the other night, had a lovely time hanging out, and he knows that I'm a huge crazy six gun fan and uh so we talked about six gun a little bit and he very kindly gave me a stack of uh six gun graphic novels to give away here on the podcast oh, very cool so um i have one copy of volume one for you bill to make you read it but uh uh the, he gave me i think like four copies of the the first volume of uh, six oh, very gun cool. yeah. so friends i've talked about this yeah. at length this is my favorite comic book. Everyone should give this a shot. And now I have a chance to make you give this a shot. Uh, so uh, if you are interested in a copy of Six Gun, and you should be, go ahead and go to boyhottypodcast.com. Use our contact form. Uh, put Six Gun in the subject line and holla at you, girl. Statistically, no one enters these contests. So your odds of winning are remarkably And like I said, considering high. we only have six listeners, if no one else is entering, you're pretty much a lock-on to get... And like, I, I like you have to put the Six Gun in the title of the email thread just to make sure that like just it so doesn't get filter. lost in all the yeah. other emails we get every week. Um, oh! Oh, No, really, of- so that when I forget... I will be able to filter through my email. Um, (laughs) Speaking of the Boy Howdy podcast and stuff, um, so I can't remember the reason why, but the SpaghettiOs Twitter account started following me on Twitter. The official SpaghettiOs Twitter account. And so I was like, the fact that there's even an official uh, uh, SpaghettiOs Twitter account just to begin with is fucking hilarious. But then I was like, you know what, I'm going to use this to my advantage. I sent them a tweet saying, hey... I'm 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 the the co-founder of the world's smallest stupidest podcast. Would you send us free spaghettios to review <laughs> on the on the podcast? Because they just came out with cheeseburger spaghettios and Super Mario <laughs> spaghettios, and they're like, oh shit! Well, unfortunately, our Super Mario Brothers spaghettios are not at the dish- at fulfillment center, but we can send you some cheeseburger. Spaghettios. <laughs> so who knows when that's gonna show up or how much? I'm assuming it might be just one can. But the next time you and I record live together, we're totally gonna do a live taste test of cheeseburger spaghettios on the podcast. It sounds terrible. I love how eager we are to sell out in any way, shape, or form. I mean, well, then maybe we'll give away, if they, maybe if they send us extra cans, we can give that away on the podcast too. Can we bundle? There we like, go. It, can we bundle uh, the spaghettios and the, the six gun together, like in like a prize pack? <laughs> the boy Howdy prize pack. Here's some heavily processed food. Here's and a comic book. Here's some vomit in a can to, to eat while we. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that's 
in terms of yeah, that 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 that's how I've been trying to manage the the boy howdy brand during the course of the week. Um, yeah. Well, so speaking of, I actually want to talk about this. Yeah. So I saw Charlie on Wednesday. Friday they had the Oni press, the official Oni. Um, uh, Rose City Comic Con kickoff party at the White Owl Social Club, which is one of my favorite bars here in town. Mm. And Charlie invited us. I mean, it was an open invitation thing. Yeah. But what was really great is when I showed up, um, we got there right when it's, the party started, because I'm a cool guy and I show up to parties on time. And uh, he, the, the bouncer had this list of, of people who had been invited. And he's like, uh, hey, is your name on the list? Because uh, he was giving out the wristbands for free drinks. Yeah. And anybody who was on the official list would get free drinks. So I'm like, uh, well, you know, Charlie just had emailed us that morning and said, no, you should really come and send us a link. And I'm like, I don't know if we're on any official list. And then I look down at a sheet as this guy is going through and there on the list is Boy Hattie Podcast. Oh, very I'm cool. like, oh, I'm with the Boy Hattie Podcast. Also, I could technically and, showed uh, up and got yeah. some free drinks too if I'd known to show up. Yeah. Aww. You could have. Yeah. Charlie actually asked, he was like, is Bill coming? I'm like, okay, A, he probably doesn't know he was invited. <laughs> B. I think free drinks would be wasted on him. I, even if he had come up, I somehow I doubt I would have ever been invited to this party considering no one from Oni knows who the hell I am. Uh, but, yeah, okay, that's, that, I'm glad hey, that worked out for you. he said Bill Mudrin. So what drinks did you Bill get? He said Bill Mudrin unprompted. Oh, really? Oh! What, what? Oh, well, this isn't Boy Howdy related, but I was at Fred Meyer's the other day, and the guy who I bought a money order to help pay my taxes off, he recognized me from being on the Erica Moen show. Uh, Eric, our friend of the podcast, Erica Moen, uh, for a couple of years, she was doing this, like, a live streaming interview thing with, uh, different Portland, uh, comic artists and, 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 and people, and I forgot that I'd been on that show for an episode or two, and this guy totally recognized me. He was one of the guys working at Fred Meyers. It's like, yeah, Erica Moen's awesome, and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it was, it was weird to be paying for something with a credit card, and the guy's like, are you Bill Mudger? And I'm like, <laughs> like... Uh, do I owe you money too? Like, what's going on? Um, anyway. <laughs> but that's, that's very cool. So what, what were the free drinks that, how many drinks did you get and how good were, were they? I got a total of six beverages. Yes. That's all for me. So, but, uh, so you it was got, great. So you got yeah. fucked up? You got fucked up on notoriety from, uh, Boy Howdy. I did, actually. Boy Howdy got me enough lager to make me have a very pleasant Oh, day. so you were having, like, It was really fun You were I, for some reason, I thought you were having, like, spicy little cocktails. You were, ha- you were like... Well, see, the thing is, Foley's making fun of me because the, um, the Oni, the way, I don't know how they were keeping track. Anyway, they had Oni cups. They were, like, the size of a red cup. And they were, they were, like, red plastic cups. I brought mine home, a souvenir. And, uh, uh I kept getting beers. And afterward, and Foley was having gin and tonics. And afterwards, she was like, why didn't you, why didn't you get... A, a Jack and Coke or something like because my, my drink of choice is whiskey coke she's like why do you get whiskey cokes because those were like doubles if not triples essentially yeah and my wife was like I can only have one and then I had to be careful and I was afterwards I was like why did I have beer I could have been having so much whiskey simultaneously in my mouth so good you could have gotten drunk so much oh, well. faster anyway yeah. anyway so yes I'm anyway. just saying finally finally for the first time boy howdy got me something instead of costing me something. <laughs> and he's had to pay for repeated microphones so that have broken down and worn down over the years and stuff. Yeah, it's... it's. Oh, gosh. Let's see. I've bought a total of four microphones. Oh, to be fair, uh, some of these microphones are now, you're now using on your other podcast. 
true. No, I get there's and I use them for other purposes too. It's not like, but I'm just saying. My point is, is that Boy Howdy has yet to net me a set. It's only cost me money, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I love I love Boy Howdy. It doesn't cost me much. Being all a, things said. So being a part of the Boy Howdy podcast only costs you twenty two dollars in two drinks at PAX. Is all I'm saying. That, that, exactly totally literally <laughs> jesus christ oh, but uh, uh, when i else? when i met up with charlie chu uh i found out this week that one of my co-workers uh, a lady who's just started working with me used to work at dark horse and i was just talking to her a little bit about it and she was like the thing about working at a comic book company is that you start drowning in comps because you just get all these comps for these comics that you just have like in excess and she's like and you give them to people and you feel like like a king you're just throwing out comics to people and they get so excited so and i mentioned at some point that i knew charlie and that i was going to be hanging out with him and she said oh wait you like yeah. this book he works on you tell him to bring you comps <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna do that that's so rude of course i get to the bar um to meet up with him and he had a stack of of comps for me he gave me the that issue that just come out that day and I got to tell you, it was perfect timing because that Thursday, I've been having a really long week at work. I've been working 10 or 11 hour days, if not more, and working until 7 or 8, and which is fine. It's been good. I'm getting my projects done. But uh, on Thursday, I was just having a really hard day. I had made a huge mistake that was entirely my own fault. It had caused a lot of work for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And um, I tried trying to fix that mistake. I made a different mistake. Trying to fix that mistake. I made a different mistake. It was just really, really unpleasant. And um, Eddie, like I said, the worst part was that... Well, seriously, it was just one of those things where you get all wound up yeah. about a thing and it makes, and in trying to fix it, then you're all wound up and it just makes it worse. And this is a project that shouldn't, that without getting into details, I should not have been involved with. It never should have happened, mm -hmm. but it did because of um, oversights and it meant that I spent like 50 hours working on this thing and causing more issues. And I was just on uh, halfway through Thursday, I was just ready to jump off like go up to the third floor and jump off the roof it was just like it was just yeah. not i was just so mad and so frustrated and i didn't see any way out i didn't see any way of it ending anytime soon and i'm like i don't want to cause any more mistakes and i was just so wrapped up and i on my lunch i took this stack of comics that charlie had given me <clears throat> he gave me the whole current storyline on six gun and i had read two three of those five issues but I just sat down. I wasn't even planning on having lunch because I had so much work to do. Yeah. But I just sat down and I pulled out these comics and I read through them. And this storyline of Six Gun is so much fun and so exciting. And some of my favorite characters do some really cool things. And they put knights in this book about cowboys and it's so exciting. And, and, I, and, and the last issue ended in such an exciting way, like in such a metal way that I was like reinvigorated. I was so excited. That's I was giggling cool, yeah. at the end of every issue. I had to go out and Wait. tell like a friend about it and do a little dance and How did it, it transformed my day. Are there like undead like French knights in there or something like that? Like, are they looking for No, it's even better than that. So, the premise of the six gun is that there are these six guns that have these um, powers. And these six guns are also basically keys to unlock this portal that allows wh whomever unlocks the portal to reshape the world in their, uh, in, in uh, however they desire. Yeah. So, um, this can be, and this has been done, we find out, many, many times. 
and uh, the gun, it's not always a gun, like the, 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 this item just becomes some sort of powerful weapon. So you see a flat, like at some point you see uh, in the past, there's like a caveman with a club that's like one that has the powers. And, Super like, club, And yeah. eventually you see these knights, well, you see these knights with these swords, yeah. and they're using the swords to open this, this portal and everything like that. And uh, okay. I'm just saying it's really cool. So I really if, liked if, it. it really so fun. if they were flash forward today, it would just be people using like the magic iPods or some shit like that? <laughs> yes, it would be PlayStation Booth controllers. <laughs> For some reason, that's how you keep them hidden because no one's gonna touch a PlayStation Move controller. That, that's that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, no, that sounds fantastic. The fact that they actually managed to work knights in there, so it's not like a knight is suddenly a brand new character. They just showed knights. It's not like, it's not suddenly no, knights versus it cowboys. Was... Oh, no, it's really game. it's really good. I love. But now that I you like now that so you know much. the editor, you can start making suggestions like that and say, "Hey, Charlie, I got an idea." I'm thinking that the Grail Knight from Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, turns out he's got a shotgun that's magic that lets you turn the world into shotguns. And whisk- you know what? He, it, Bill. It's, a, it's a magic shotgun, shotgun that opens up a portal to a world where everything's just made of whiskey and Cokes. Bill, have you been reading my erotic six-gun fanfiction? Well, I guess if I'm you want saying. to start making that erotic. Oh, man. Six magic dildos. You have to stick it in a portal. <sighs> That was not the joke I was going to make. That's okay. That's, wasn't that You can make your joke, Bill. That's okay. It just drains just, me of all my powers. Somehow I just want to make a record room for a dream joke there, but I can't think of how to work that in. Um, but oh, really, how you doing? It's only, guess what? It's only, it's not even 8.30 yet on a Sunday morning. How you doing? <laughs> and you're already talking to me about my favorite comic being about dildos. So I, I am ruining um, your, 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 the high that you got off uh, at the party. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so, are, is Charlie going to be at the Rose City 2, or is it just going to be the comic creators? Oh, yeah, he's probably going to be okay. there. I'll get to say hi to him. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll be working the booth and wandering the floor. But, um, yeah, I'm really, I was hoping at the Oni party to have a chance to say hi to those guys um, yeah. uh, since they were there. But I was busy schmoozing with other people. You've never met those guys Because I know, like, wasn't, like, one of them at mm-hmm. Stumptown? Uh, I don't know. I know Colin Bunn works, uh, the author works with, um, Oni a lot, and he works with Joel Jones on another book called Helheim, oh, so I imagine that is he, he was probably at Sumptown, too. Is he local? Uh, no. Oh, because no. so it's even better that they actually have both the writer and the... Well, has that, there's been multiple artists on the book? I can't remember if you said that or not. No, well, <clears throat> I should say, not on the main book, it's been Brian Hurt, who does an amazing job. Yeah, so yeah I love his artwork. And, uh, I've, I haven't read too much, but I do love beautiful. how that book looks, yeah. It's gorgeous, and like, I, I've said this before, but from, I, I love the writing, I love the, the, I mean, I love the inking, I love the drawing, I love the composition of the panels and the balloon ba- placement yeah. and the lettering. It's like there's just such a generous space to it. It's also deliberate and thoughtful, and it feels all in perfect union. The coloring is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite book on the stands right now. And Charlie told me, he's like, I'll just say this. Don't get emotionally attached to any character. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, no. what? What? <laughs> Very cool. Anyway, that's Annie's Six Gun Corner. Uh, moral story, in about two hours, I'm going to go and try not to kiss those guys on the face. Are you gonna go try to get a signature? Are you gonna get your photo taken for, with the uh, bald pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> you know it. I think it's him and like the midget pirate. I guess are both there. They have Jewel State <laughs> from Firefly. Oh, you should you, you 
you'd like her. You liked her even before she was on Firefly. You should totally see if you can't pee, yeah. pee next to her in the women's room if there's still toilet paper left. Um, I'll just go, I remember you from the Disney Channel original series Flash Forward. What a quality piece of programming that yeah, was. Yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. really cool. And, and, and it sounds like Rose City is popular enough. God knows who they're going to get this time next year. Maybe next year it'll be Commander mm-hmm. Data and ron glass from firefly i'm gonna slightly get better every year with like a different like uh, this year well, you know actually it's funny they have also it's billy west and john dimaggio this year so if you want to hang out with futurama uh, bar, 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 yeah um oh hey did you of course i want to hang out with jake the dog speaking of cartoons and voice oh i didn't think about that oh man adventure. i need to catch up on the drink if, if bill says he needs to catch up on adventure time did you watch legend of Korra this week <laughs> No, I've only watched. I watched. The, I did watch the premiere, the two part premiere, premiere, but I have not watched this week. Well, what do you think yet. about that? Because you hadn't even seen that much when we talked last week. Um, I, I'm. It... <laughs> Don't <laughs> blow me away with your enthusiasm. Well, it's ah! I'm kind of. I really, I really like Cora's um uh dad, and and I really like uh. Tenzin's siblings and that's all interesting to me and this it's not that the idea of this political conflict between the north and south water tribes is not interesting to me but I mean it's like of course it's just not interesting um, to you. Tarlac's brother I'm it's like it's I feel like I can see the whole storyline coming like yeah, it's tar- right, yeah of course um like of course the the northern water tribe guy is using the spirits manipulating the spirits to do a power play against his brother and gain power and he's going to try and manipulate Korra into doing that, yeah, too, the only and, thing and that helping we, him in that end. The only thing that the, the, the they seem to be leaving up to the imagination about that is whether or not the, the evil dude from the North is either actually evil, or if he's just, like, some kind of Hitler guy. Because Hitler actually wasn't evil, is, I guess is that that's what I'm saying. But you know what I mean! <laughs> no, but you know how, like... No, Bill! You know how the Germans, after world, after they got, like, so no, fucked Bill, up... Bill, use a different metaphor. Use... Any no, other comparison? Rose, no, but Hitler rose to power because the Germans were so desperate after after they lost World War One, and, and like everyone, okay, even, even everyone even admits they were too hard on Germany after World War One, and that kind of opened the door for Hitler yes. to come in because yeah, uh, like after World War One, uh, uh, Germany was all fucked up and everyone was super poor and dying in the streets and shit, and they were so desperate for leadership they turned to Hitler. And, I, and uh, you know, they, right. they, 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 they wanted to make some, they were so desperate to make themselves strong again. They went overboard and became, you know, the, it's Nazis. And I'm kind of wondering if it's the same thing where this, uh, the water tribe got so jacked up during the Fire Nation War that maybe this guy isn't necessarily mm-hmm. super evil. Like he's just, because he, like he's made much, not only does he want to unify the uh, northern and southern water tribes, but he also wants to unite the world in like the safety net that he wants to build. And I wonder if, like, if, if right. I, hopefully he's actually sincere and it doesn't turn out that he's actually possessed by evil spirits and he wants to evilly conquer the world. And it's a little, like, dude wants to conquer the world story is the oldest kind of lamest plot in the book. But I hopefully there's a little bit more of a reasoning behind it rather than just, like, he's evil or he's possessed or something like that. It'll be interesting to see if it's actually as a result of stuff that came out like, came out of the original series. I don't know. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's not bad. It's just it's still a little underwhelming, but and like I said, some of the animation still continues to be a little eh, but what are you going to do? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it's it's more Legend of Korra, so I'll watch. I'll keep watching it. But yeah, I don't know. It's like uh my my throbbing boner for Legend of Korra has cooled a little bit. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, oh my I, gosh, my cat is distantly yelling. <laughs> is she hungry? 
Uh, uh, <clears throat> she probably wants attention. I closed both doors so that I possibly wouldn't bother my wife too much if she slept. Though that's oh, she's unfortunately I'm probably annoying the uh, right now. But yeah, watching Core not mm-hmm. bad. Like I, I just watched the latest episode last night, and you know what? It it it, it doesn't. Sp- well, I can hear that cat all the way from here, and I'm ten blocks away. <laughs> Um, but it, it, it speaks to like, kind of like what Legend of Korra is now that like, I've seen the next episode and I, I, I can't remember anything that happened that, that, that like, you don't already know. So, um, more yeah. like, I don't know they're, they're a little bit closer to war, but it's, yeah, not terrible. It's just kind of, I guess in this newest episode, you find out that Aang was kind of like a little bit of a crappy dad to the to Tenzin and his brother and sister but ah it's just I'm not surprised by that actually, um, but that's interesting. Because he was always, only... I, will, I mean, like what? He was always only what ten years old. <laughs> turns out the <laughs> turns out the older Ang we've seen in the flashbacks of the first season of Legend of Court was just Ang on stilts with a fake beard. Just hey, I'm an adult now. <laughs> well, him being frozen in iceberg for a hundred years made him stilted, and he can never actually grow up again. But then he got married to uh, uh what's his name Katara, and she expected him to be a man, and so he had his like super glue chest hair on. He's like, I have to be viral oh. now. How you doing? Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Isn't that the yeah, name the of Cora. the Howard Hughes character on the show now? Veril? Um, how you doing? <sighs> Good morning, everyone. Why? It's 8 o'clock in the Why morning. Why isn't the show this just the boy about Koronasami on motorbikes to travel around the world? See, that would be so much more exciting. That's what everyone wants yeah, from I, us. Let's be honest here. I don't know. They still got a couple seasons left, but it's 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 pretty bad when some of the Tumblr stuff is actually kind of more interesting than what you're seeing on the actual show. But then again, we're talking about a fucking kids show. Not to say that it's oh, it's a kids show. You shouldn't have to worry about the show being good. It should be a thing. But man, the first first Avatar series was, was so good, and Legend Chorus taking so long to get it to find its bearings. And to think of like by the time they were on their second season of a- Avatar, they were, it was such a fucking. There was no real fat on that show. There was a couple episodes that were not very good, but, like, that show just fucking booked yeah. in terms of telling that story, whereas Legend of Korra seems to be a little more... Yeah. Well, to be fair, Avatar The Last Airbender from the start was meant to be this very deliberate thing over a series of books, Yeah. whereas Korra's gone through so many iterations from the start, like, from being a... Uh, like a like a mini series to being well yeah. maybe just a single season and then well okay we'll do some more it's it's less of a clear thesis from the start yeah i mean avatar really <clears throat> did feel more like just a three season long almost like movie or a book whereas this definitely feels legend of Korra definitely feels more like a tv show feels much more kind of like like just shit kind of happens and kind of like killing time between episodes sometimes i don't know but we'll see. Like it's it's we're only three episodes into the second season of what what will eventually be four seasons, and I don't know. We'll see. All I know is that Cora uh, is still brute. Her dad is a hunk, and Asami is still a sexy dame. So I'll keep watching okay. the end. What else? What else? What else? Oh, what I do this week? Oh, let me God, let me look at my notes. Have this you week, eaten? All I, honestly, all I can think of is work. I've been told to oh, ask um, if you've had some spaghettios this week. <laughs> Why no, Brought Bill? What can we do to change that? Sponsor SpaghettiOs. <laughs> it's like dinner in a can so, <clears throat> from Spaghetti Cool. Maya, with Foley and I sat down and talked about our video game finances for the rest of the year because we're oh, adults. No. Oh <clears throat> no, what happened? And it's so funny that. Well, no, it's just so funny that that's necessary. But the rest of the year is going to be an intensive video game, you know, video game wise, just for consoles. 
So, because we were going back and forth over whether we're really going to buy, uh, get our PS4. I think we talked about that last yeah. week. <clears throat> Just because why would I buy something that there's not really games out for it that I can't, you know, that I can experience other systems and everything yeah. like that. Though I have to admit, <clears throat> and I know now I, I'm going to say this, and we all know that I've been burned here before. We were watching some uh, video yesterday while we were having breakfast of uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, which I haven't really looked at too much because Assassin's Creed has broken my heart so many times. Mm-hmm. But the stuff they're, the, the graphic stuff they're doing is just gorgeous, and they're building it for next gen consoles. Oh, if I and buy, I'm so curious. Yeah, if to I see buy next gen console, I mean, I like I said, I've got pre orders for both the Xbox and the PlayStation. And if I buy a game this fall, it'll be Assassin's Creed 4, just because, uh... uh they, well, they showed what it looks like. There's, like, the parts where you're running around the jungle, sneaking around the jungle. And... Yeah. Andy's cat has just opened up the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> the cat the cat is now cooking breakfast. The cat is now shaped like holy. <laughs> um... But, yeah, no, Assassin's Creed 4... <laughs> Sorry, I'll had to have a kiss break. Continue, Bill. What am I get to kiss? I feel left out now. Hello. <laughs> Do you have your your Jake and a Finn or Finn in a Jake suit? <laughs> oh, I have my Muppet. I should go kiss my Muppet. Why? How have we done like two or three of these video podcasts? Two or three, and I've not brought my Muppet on the show. Oh my god, that's cats. a good question, Bill. You are totally the most. I was gonna say my cat is now is now making her debut. Her boy, how do you do? Annie, you're officially a, a Portlander now. <laughs> Lesbian cat podcasting. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Talking about video games. No, but um, what the hell is I was gonna say? But yeah, no, Assassin's Creed Four. That actually does look actually does look uh, uh, a little bit better than it does on the current gen uh, consoles. Oh like, yeah, the, the, the it jungle looks stuff. Because like you're walking through the jungle and you're like pushing foliage away and stuff. And which is funny because like Assassin's right. Creed, I still haven't played more than two or three hours of Assassin's Creed Three because that game was so broken I couldn't get past it. But I don't know. I guess I guess there's Watch Dogs Two, which is supposed to be pretty good, but. I don't know. So that's the thing. So where my wife and I landed, we had this whole conversation, and I think we're gonna keep our PlayStation Four pre-order. Oh, yeah. And if we do, uh, we're 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 talking right now. I have both Assassin's Creed Four and Watch Dogs pre-ordered for PlayStation Three, just because they're doing an interesting thing where um, PlayStation is, where if you buy um, some games for PS Three during this generational shift. Uh-huh. Then you'll be able to download that game for the PlayStation Four for just ten dollars. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So, so wait, how's that going to impact like, we'll, you? We'll but if you're going to buy a PlayStation Four, why not just say fuck it? If it, the PlayStation Four version costs as much as the PlayStation Three version, we've got some. Uh, it, basically, it's a finances suss out that we don't want to get a PlayStation Four for, which may happen. It's going to be an expensive couple of months. Um, that uh, we'll just cancel. We'll cancel our PS4 or, uh, order and uh, just get them on PS3. You know what? Get yeah, the PlayStation and then eventually 4. We'll get a PS4 and like, if we both get PlayStation 4, so we can start trading games because they let you trade and play used games. So I can buy like you can buy like Assassin's Creed 4. I can buy Watch Dogs. If we want to play, that's Cattail. Just walk right past the camera. Uh, yep. <laughs> What's up, Orange? Oh. She just rubbed against but the yeah, microphone. But yeah, no, if we both get PlayStation right. 4s, at least then we could trade one of the two games actually maybe even worth buying. Um, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, now uh, people pointed out that we are now less than two months from both consoles being out. Um, it's Which is nuts to think of, by the way. Yeah. My God. And once it's October, you can start officially start saying, oh, these new consoles come out and just let next month. Um, oh, and that's only that's like insane. that's only like about a week away from now. I, 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 but uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I have no idea what my 
financial situation is going to be it's like. It's just in November, so much money and like fully. In... It's a thousand. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a thousand like, bucks. Uh, assuming you buy both. Well, consoles. I'm like, we're we're not getting. Well, I'm just yeah, saying, I'm not getting buy, an Xbox yeah. One. Um, especially because, like I said, this is one thing I keep harping on. But yeah, the launch con- launch lineup for both. There's really not that much to play. Like I said, aside from Assassin's Creed Four, which sounds i mean it's another assassin's creed it's an extra assassin's creed but doesn't sound like it's gonna be that much of a change and then you got watchdogs which is just like well it's it's it sounds like it's just assassin's creed that takes place in modern day chicago um but yeah there's not like there's no other than the 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 novelty of having new consoles there's yeah it's yes yeah which I admit may get me there. <laughs> well, because I am curious about this new console well, stuff. These both know? consoles being so di- digitally heavy, maybe you don't have to worry about buying like a brand new retail game as much as like God knows what like digital stuff they might have available for the cheap on launch day too. So like, no, here's what we do: we tweet at the Sony Twitter and say, "Hey, we have a podcast with upwards of three listeners." You know, what? I would just do that because there's no not to they're, they're obviously they're not they're not gonna give out free consoles to people like what with like six listeners but uh, what's what's what like how like there's nothing to lose by saying hey guys especially with microsoft like maybe we'll get a free ps4 temporary tattoo <laughs> exactly exactly um and by that rate we should be able to get in touch with nintendo and ask for free wii u for review purposes too because they got to be desperate to try to get people talking about that um so speaking of video game consoles, my wife and I have been Xbox Live members since, I mean, gosh, since we've had the Xbox pretty much. Yeah. And uh, like specifically gold members. And uh, with the new, with the generation shift ha- happening, we were like, well, you know, let's just let it lapse and whatever. And I didn't realize, like, I'm, it, we, it, it lapsed and I booted it up and I was like, wait. Why did I ever have an Xbox Live Gold membership? I never play games online. If I want to watch Netflix, I'll just use my Apple TV yeah. or my PS3. And that's literally it. I'm like, I've just been throwing money into the ether. Like, just, you know, setting a match to it and fluttering it, letting it flutter away. I'm like, why did I even bother? Yeah, aside from playing uh, Saints Row 2 earlier this summer with uh, podcast listener Grumpy Turtle... Uh, I have not used my gold subscription for anything. I've played a little bit of Call of Duty, uh, but it's not like, like, I did some online multiplayer stuff, but, like, aside from that, like, this last year of, um, uh, of Xbox Live Gold is essentially 60 bucks I just flushed down the toilet. And especially since they raised the price of Xbox Gold and just, like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though I was excited, it was the first time I booted on my Xbox in a while, and, um, I didn't realize they'd done the shift from points to actual money. Yeah, they just did that like two and, weeks uh, ago. They, yeah, they converted whatever points I had or whatever. They gave me five bucks to use. And I went ahead and threw down for um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, yeah. which everyone keeps saying is super, super good. So I'm looking forward to playing that. But what's funny is that uh, I wound up actually downloading the Diablo 3 demo. Oh, there's a the Diablo Xbox. 3 demo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, my wife and I play it, hence her hooting and excitement. Does that have, um, is, is we, that yeah. on-screen multiplayer? Like, can you guys play together? It is. Oh, it's couch, couch co-op. co-op? That sounds awesome, yeah. Which, frankly, I have to say, we we noodled around with it. So much fun! Hey, Foley, you want to give your review of Diablo 3? You have to get Cat cat off your lap. No. Uh, yeah, we, we sat down together and we noodled around as, uh, uh, she was a barbarian, I was a mage, uh, Orange, what did you think of it? Diablo 3 oh, is really good. Don't make her claw. <laughs> Jesus. 
Uh, no, we had a lot of fun. It was, it was really a good. lot of fun. Like I am though, I, I it totally scratched the uh, uh, the itch for me because I do have a, a soft spot for games like um, oh what was it Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. This is totally is this is all that is. I've heard people flip yeah. out about Diablo for years, and when I finally actually looked it up to say, okay, what the fuck is Diablo shit? I was like, it's Baldur's Gate. What? I mean, Baldur's Gate is great, yeah. but like, this is this is it's it's like if so it's like if you like everyone likes like like people love to talk about League of Legends. Like it's be like if you looked up League of Legends, you're like, oh my god, it's just Super Monkey Ball. You're like, I love Super Monkey Ball. Let's play this shit. Yeah, no, but Diablo. Oh, well, then, which is the funny That's thing. That's the is, sort of game but, that I don't find at all compelling just to play. Oh, no, but, but like, I if really it's couch co-op kind of hanging out with, like... Well, then, the funny thing is, I'm assuming that's got to have online multiplayer, too, right? Yeah. So, that, yeah. that's funny, because, like, now you're falling into the one of the games, which actually would kind of justify being able to play online with other people on Xbox Live. Um, but Oh, guess what? I'll buy it on PlayStation. Problem solved. Well, you still got the... You're going to, like, what, for the PlayStation 4? Wait, what are you talking about? Oh, it's right for the PS3. Download it right now. Oh, that's right. I don't have to leave my house. I can just I, download it on the PS3. I forgot that PlayStation 3 multiplayer is still free. Because uh, I know PlayStation 4 multiplayer, yeah. you're going to have to pay for that. Um, but yeah, no, Diablo. Are you going to buy Diablo also, then? I think I will, actually. We had I, so much fun I played it, it on the Mac. It's a pretty, like, I mean, Grumpy Turtle Eye. We played it. It's it's. Wait, so wait, what character are you playing as? A mage? I was playing as a mage just because I had fired up the demo a little bit yeah. and played it a little bit as a barbarian. Well, but when uh, Foley and I fired it up, she chose barbarian. So I was like, oh, I'll do something different. I think the only classes available on the demo are barbarian and mage. Okay, because I can't remember. So, I, can't, uh, I think maybe it was a monk that I played at. I played as this uh, super badass, uh, like, it was, it was almost like a, a Tibetan... Uh, or uh, like a Shaolin monk, but it was a lady with like short white hair. And she looked super badass. It was totally a character you would love to play as. But I think that was like the monk, and it's like a martial arts lady who's like totally with a big staff, just beating the crap out of people. And but yeah, no, that's like really fun and like Diablo. Yeah, if if you just want to mindlessly play video games for a while on the couch with Foley, that's that that's like I would let, let's let's put it the way it's like yeah. If 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 you if you're if you've got a Baldur's Gate to scratch, itch to scratch, that'll totally. Hit that. And also, like I said, it's you know, you don't worry about a big story. It's got hilarious voice acting where the main guy's like, Oh, Diablo is going to eat your face. Oh, man. Deckard Kane is the worst voice I've Diablo. ever heard of. Oh, I, thought, I was like, I would play it. In the beginning, there was Diablo, and he was so bad, oh, you guys. He sounds Seriously. like somebody making fun of an old man for like 12 hours. Diablo is a piece of pass. I, I booted up that game, and I swear to God, my first thought was, oh my God, Diablo has a story. Yeah. Can you imagine being the person who's like, oh, I was the writer for Diablo 3. <laughs> Hit that thing with the stick. Um... Well, of course, you know what the real answer, the real solution to all our um, uh, video game problems is, of course, that Valve is going to start talking about the Steam Box this week. Hopefully it's the Steam Box. Hopefully the Steam Box is what we want and not just... Uh, some people are thinking that... Well, they said they're going to have three announcements, and even on the Living Room website, there's there's, there's three empty spheres. So it seems like whatever they're going to be talking about this week has three different facets to it. Uh, some, some people think that the first announcement is just going to be for the operating system. The second announcement will be for the actual hardware. Third announcement will be whatever, like, game it is that they have that will be, like, mm -hmm. the centerpiece of this stuff, which already some people are already going, oh my god, it's going to be Half-Life 3! 
Um, which actually would, I mean, if you wanted to sell a brand new piece of hardware, tying it to, to the Half-Life 3 would not be a bad way to do it, but I don't want to be one of those people who's just assuming that's what's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, some people My are wondering if be... it's not going to be not like an actual console, but a micro console that would just stream yeah. whatever you're playing on your PC to your TV. But it's, I guess you'd still be controlling via your PC, which I'm like, what? Then what's the point of the console then? I hope it's an actual Steam box. I don't know. It's yeah. I, I, something that will make it very easy for. I, I don't want just a streaming thing. I want something that actually. But I don't know. Here's the thing though. We are the market for that, and that we are Mac users yeah. who don't have a gaming PC, are intimidated by a gaming PC, and want something accessible. But that's not. I mean, if someone own, already owns a gaming PC, why do they want another gaming PC to plug into their television? Well, hopefully, like, I, I would think this would be their attempt a... to reach out to console owners like me who don't want to mess with like building a new PC or buying a new PC. It would just be something that's essentially just comes right out of a box. You'd hook up to your TV and you could play PC quality games on your TV. Uh, the... Yeah, but they can't. If they're really going for the console gamer, then that's not what it's going to be because they can't. They can't afford to sell a PC, a high end PC that would appeal to a console gamer because a high end PC yeah. you're looking at at least well, also, you know, it, a grand if, at least. If it's going to be like a relatively static desktop box, it's not going to be upgradable. Uh, so it'd have to be cheap, mm -hmm. so people will end up. I mean, although with that, with the if it's cheap enough, they could follow the Apple model where you don't have to worry about upgrading it. You just buy a better version every like yearly. Put out a new generation of this hardware, and it's just like if it's only like maybe two hundred bucks, um, they, they make it rel a, a relatively disposable micro, like not even micro console, but like little PC console. I don't know. Uh, but I would if it really is just something that just streams whatever you're playing on your PC to your TV. That's just going to be super disappointing because you can kind of do that anyway. You can do like HDMI outputs from your computer to your TV. This is this this yeah. would just make it easier. But then it's like, but this is not what we're looking for. Let's put it that way. So we'd like a week from now we might be talking about this going well. That sounds like it could have been cool, but it's not for us. Oh, I will. We'll find really out. Really, what this we week. both need to do? I just need to give some money to Grumpy Turtle and say, Grumpy Turtle, make me a PC. <laughs> Seriously. Um... Well, especially like anyway, for the money um, that like for the, like the thousand dollars you could drop on buying the new two new consoles, you well just even for one console, for the money you drop on a PlayStation Four, you could probably get, like build at least a pr relatively small decent PC computer that to, to play games. Yeah, with. but the thing um, is, it's either I buy I spend four hundred dollars on this thing that I will just be able to buy a game for and go home and put it in the box and play it for the next couple of years. As opposed to committing to the gaming PC lifestyle and upgrading, yeah. blah, 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 blah. See, that'd be the nice thing if it was a desktop box. That at least, like I said, if you're going to upgrade it, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about how you're going to upgrade it or what kind of new chips you're going to buy. You just, like, you, you, maybe you sell, sell your old one on Craigslist, but then you drop, you know, like, use take that money and, and, and use that to cut the cost of just buying the, whatever newest version just came out this fall or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. I guess we'll, I will find out. But, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, my wife and I really enjoyed playing Diablo together, I have to say. Yeah, I don't no. think I would actually ever want to play with anyone online, though. I think all I want for that game is couch co-op. As much as I enjoy the idea of online multiplayer, the fact of the matter is that it's um, organizing my schedule with other people's schedule just isn't worthwhile for me, yeah. and I don't want to play with strangers. So... You can always play with boy howdy listeners. And that information is why a boy howdy multiplayer thing has never worked out. Because as much as I want to play with y'all, I'm so lazy, you guys. I'm so lazy. Well, like, there's even specific points where I've been like, hey, well, we're all free Saturday night. You should hang out with us because we know you're not doing anything Saturday night. And you'll just be like, no. 
I just I don't want to play. No, because Saturday night is my night with my wife. Oh, like God. she and I, Saturday is her one, the one day off we share together. Saturday is the worst yeah. time for us to play together. Uh, so I take it you so. didn't buy uh, Grand Theft Auto this week. I did not. I'm just gonna borrow your copy. You borrow my copy, but with GTA Online, you said I could. Oh, did I? <laughs> you- Yes, Bill, literally. I think on this podcast last week, you said I could just borrow yours when you're done. I already scratched into the disc, and he has farts, though. I hope you don't mind. I didn't realize. Um, That's okay. I accept I that. I thought you didn't I do care about farts. the Grand Theft Auto. I, didn't, like, yeah, I knew you weren't going to buy it, but I, like, I, I didn't realize we had this conversation. Um, no, I, of course I want to play Grand Theft Auto. It's Grand Theft Auto. I enjoy those dumb... I like open world games. They frustrate me no end, but there's I still enjoy them while I play them. Yeah, I, I've only played, like, maybe two hours of Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, I did just, like, the... I just did, like, the, the opening half-hour tutorial where it just railroads you through, like, here's how to drive, here's how to walk, here's how to shoot. And as soon as they let me go off and do my own thing... Uh, first thing I did was... Okay, so re- I'm going to rewind this back to uh, my favorite GTA is San Andreas. And one of the first things I ever did in San Andreas was uh, I was really excited because San Andreas was the first GTA game to really have, like, hills you can go drive up on. And I knew there was, like, mm-hmm. wildlife mm-hmm. and stuff. Because the first uh, two Grand Theft Auto games were relatively flat and all very urban. Uh, GTA, a lot of the GTA uh, San Andreas was all about, like, you can go explore the wild and stuff. And so the first thing I did in San Andreas was I stole a car and uh, because both uh, San Andreas took place in in, in GTA's version of uh, Los Angeles, I decided to run for the Hollywood Hills. You know, the big hill where it actually has the, the sign Hollywood. And in G- Grand yeah. Theft Auto, it's called Vinewood. But I went to the same place because I just wanted to drive up a hill just for the unique experience of driving up a hill in a, in a Grand Theft Auto game. And I uh, drove up to the top of the hill. There were a couple houses, little residential community, and I drove through uh, past the houses through their backyards just to see what was there and as i was driving through these backyards the ground just dropped away turns out this hill was at the top of a cliff a sheer cliff 100 foot drop <laughs> and for a moment i drove right off the top of this cliff like the dukes of hazard and for a moment i saw this vast wilderness and because this is a playstation 2 game this quote-unquote vast wilderness was like six trees but i was still like oh right, my right. god it's six trees and I'm about to die. <laughs> and you my car dropped a hundred feet and you know exploded in a ravine or whatever. But uh, that was such like indelible memory of like going off to explore and then driving off a cliff I didn't see coming. That that was the first thing I did in uh, this new game GTA Five, which takes place in the same city. The layout of the town is almost completely different, uh, but it kind of the same when uh, Grand Theft Auto Five uh, or Grand Theft and, and GTA Four that Liberty City. Has a couple things in common with the original Liberty City from a, a GTA Three, but it's not you know it's not supposed mm-hmm, to be a remake mm-hmm. of the exact same city. But uh, so yeah, as soon as uh, GTA Five started and I got control of the character, I just went off to find a hill and go drive over it. I thought I was going to the Hollywood <laughs> Hills, but it turns out I wasn't. I I just drove to the Pacific Ocean. I I found a hill, drove <laughs> drove off the uh, up to the top of it, and rather than a cliff and all kinds of wild, there were just more hills that I kept on driving off of until I drove off all the hills and into the Pacific Ocean. Swam or uh, swam a while, ran into a guy with a yacht. Killed the guy, stole the yacht, and just decided to see what happens if I just just drove the yacht to the horizon. Uh, the game let me go, like it, it, it let me drive the boat out until uh, the the island that this new GTA takes place on was essentially a little dot on the horizon, so you can go way out into the ocean. Uh, 
But then, like, I'm sitting there, like, like there was a music, like, I put on the, even the boats have radio channels, like, you had, had, had a radio reception, so I put on some uh, yacht rock. It was great, like, you know, perfect 80s, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was, like, sailing, which is funny, because it was a little bit like Wind Waker, because I, I was on a sailboat, and there's, like, kind of goofy music, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my Wind Waker right here. Uh-huh. And then so I'm sailing, and then I oh, see there's a shark so. in the water. And I'm like, there's a shark yeah, in the yeah. water. And I tried to shoot it, except I got my shoot button and my jump button confused. And so instead of shooting the <laughs> shark, I jumped off the boat into the water, and the shark ate me. And that was how the first time I died in Grand Theft Auto. Bill, would you say that Grand Theft Auto that moment <sighs> jumps the shark? At least at least my character, Michael, he... Or no, is it Franklin? Franklin jumped the shark. Yeah, I got eaten. Which, if you're gonna die for the first time in a Grand Theft Auto game, being eaten by a shark while you're like yeah. like ten miles out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, that's a pretty great way to die. Um, that's pretty respectable. But yeah, aside from that, yeah, no, I I want I want to play Grand Theft Auto, but I feel like it's gonna feel weirdly punishing after having playing played uh, Saints Row Four because Saints Row Four is so much about just joy of movement and freedom of movement yeah. and letting you do whatever the heck that I feel like Grand Theft Auto is just gonna feel so restricted. Well, after that. again, going back to uh, Grand Theft uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, San Andreas was really weird because I guess after the first two games they decided that like. Aside from making this the the world of Jane, uh, San Andreas the biggest GTA world yet, they decided that from a gameplay perspective, the big gameplay change for uh, San Andreas was going to be suddenly uh, your character was going to have all these role playing stats, like he would have strength and mm-hmm. driving ability and stuff that you could improve. Just but the more you shot, the better sh- uh, of a shootist you would be. The more you drove, the better your driving skill would be. The more you weight lifted, the you know better punching and stuff you could do. Uh, you, you like you, like mm-hmm. at, uh, melee combat, you'd be better at that stuff. And they stripped all that stuff out for Grand Theft Auto 4 just because they wanted to streamline the game, but they brought all that back for GTA 5. And so, and especially now that you're playing four, uh, as, as three different playable characters, each character has his own stats, and so you're kind of obligated to go out and, like, drive as much as you can for each character so they can increase their, their driving ability. Because uh, when you first start off the game, mm-hmm. all the cars just control, like, shit. And it isn't until you, like, really improve their driving stat that the cars start driving, like, pretty much like you'd expect, like, in a Saints Row game or something like that, where they're really nimble. And, like, so, yeah, you're back to, like, this weirdly kind of Skyrim-y kind of, like, trying to build your stats in this big, vast world. And also, they've made the cops super fucking powerful. It only takes one or two shots to kill you in this game. Whereas in previous Grand Mm -hmm. Theft Auto games, Mm -hmm. like, you could... You were kind of a bullet sponge. You could still get taken out by the cops, but the cops were really never a threat until you got, like, three or four stars and they called in the SWAT team or they called in the army. Right. And that was the only time you really had to worry. Up until that point, you could pretty much go off and do whatever the hell you wanted, and as long as you played relatively not stupidly, you're surviving. In this game, yeah, you get, like, one or two stars, you're going to get shot down quick. Uh, oh, so Jesus. It's, it's much more <gasps> simmy falling? that way. Um but yeah. it, it's, it's, it's an interesting choice. It's kind of hostile towards the player, but it makes it more of a game. Yeah. Like, you have to actually really pay attention to what you're doing. And I'm wondering if they didn't, like, make the cops more powerful, because I know a big mechanic in GTA Five is supposed to be the fact that you're supposed to plan and execute heists. And that's not going to mm-hmm. really have, have much weight to it unless the cops are an actual threat. Because if you could just pull off a heist by just by walking to a bank, pulling a gun saying give me all your money and walking out and just shoot whatever cops come your way there's no real reason to like meticulously plan a heist uh and yeah, try to avoid yeah. the cops so it's it's 
it's a little bit more of a role-playing game. It's really weird between all the stats and, like, you have to be really careful not to piss off the authorities and... I don't know, but like like I said, I've barely played any of the actual story. I've played more tennis than anything else. Um, there's a whole tennis game. Are you kidding me? No, yeah, no. I played about uh, 45 minutes of tennis yesterday. Because um, like, suppose if you play sports, wow, uh, that that helps your 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 strength and your melee ability. And uh, but yeah, aside from that, and I try to get repeatedly try to get up at the top of Mount Chiliad, which is the game's big mountain preserve place which is almost impossible to try to get to the top of uh, using vehicles, but I, I got up there anyway. Like, I stole a couple different cars and and uh, motorbikes and, and got my way up there. And it's just... The game's... I mean, the game is, is fucking vast. It is really goddamn beautiful. Um, and and it's seamlessly... You can go to the middle of the heart of the big-ass uh, Los Angeles out to a really vast wilderness. If you just, if you just want a game to explore, yeah. though, this is fantastic, though. Yeah. I mean, if you... you I mean, you're eventually going to have to come back to the single-player component, like, the, the actual story, but, like, it's... Oh, man. It just looks... It looks surprisingly good for a current-gen game. Let's put it that way. And even the L.A. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a heck of a goodbye. Yeah, and yeah. just even the vibes of, like, this... I've never been to Los Angeles, but it just feels like the Los Angeles... Specifically the Los Angeles of Quentin Tarantino movies, for some reason. Everything's just kind of run down enough that it just feels like... It doesn't feel like the L.A. of, like, it doesn't feel like glitzy L.A. It's kind of like the rundown, shitty parts of town that, that seems to be what most of Los Santos is made out of. And it's kind of, I mean, granted, you're, play, like, you're playing as thugs and criminals and stuff, so it makes sense that that, that would be the kind of, like, Los Angeles you're running around in. But I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's, it's, ugh, yeah. So. I mean, I want to play it. I like open-worldy games. I do. I find them emotionally satisfying. Um... I mean, all the the misogynist and and drama and everything like that is expected. It's a Grand Theft Auto game, whatever. Yeah, I saw um, something. It's cool. There's supposed to be one particular mission in this game that's supposed to be super terrible. I haven't read anything about the game, so I like I. There's gonna be fucked up shit in this game. I mean, Grand Theft the Grand Theft Auto games. Grand Theft Auto Three ended with you. Did you ever play Grand Theft Auto Three? Yeah, Grand Theft. I didn't play all the story though. Grand Theft Auto Three ends with you rescuing your girl girlfriend from like a Colombian drug cartel, and when she starts, she starts complaining about how you've rescued her. The game ends with you pulling out a gun and shooting her in the face, and that's the end of the game. I mean, the games, the GT games have always had a stretch of like, not just like mon uh, misogyny, but like they've been fucked up, and so it's not. I have to say though. All of the, the bullshit uh, misogynist drama of Grand Theft Auto, I think, is almost worth it for um, Leia Alexander's uh, review of Grand Theft Auto. Did you yeah, see that? that was great. This is why we video game? That was the only quote-unquote review of GTA that I read this week, and just, yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that was fantastic. If, if you do not know what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor, pause this podcast right now. And Google, this is why we video gaming, and read this review of Grand Theft Auto. It is amazing. Listen to her dramatic reenactment of it. It's so good. Her, her, her See, I don't recital that. I just amazing. read the text, but yeah. But it's another Grand oh, Theft Auto. Oh, dude, and I'm going to have to send you. What's that? If you don't mind, I'm going to send you a amazing uh, song version that someone did of it, and we need to use it on this week's podcast. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's Grand Theft It's more Grand Theft Auto. Um... I am not saying that, oh, well, it's Grand Theft Auto. Who cares that it's misogynist? That's not what I'm saying at all. Nor am I giving it a pass for being misogynistic. But it's one of those things where it's like, if you go to, like, a, you know, 
a, a gun show and you complain about there being guns. It's, it's like, like what do you expect? not to, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, I, I, I hope for more for Grand Theft Auto, but I am not surprised. That yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. It. I was really anxious yeah. to see because I know a lot of people had complaints about just how stereotypical, stereotypical and kind of lazy the writing in GTA 4 was. I was curious to see if they would at all try to change the formula of, I mean, the gameplay formula is always going to be the same, where you're just like this little hood who starts off, and you're just, you know, running errands for some slightly slightly more influential right. hood, and you just kind of work your way up until you're just destroying half the city. But from the writing perspective, I was curious to see if they decided to, like, make the writing more mature or any less based off of already known movies and TV shows. No, this this game, it's... It's exactly the same writing quality as, like, even Grand Theft Auto 3, like, 12 years ago, where all the characters are are based off of, like, okay, like, the main character, Michael, he's some Italian mobster-looking guy who, he's totally, all he is is essentially just a, he, he's, he's Tony Soprano because he's a mobster who, he talks, he has a shrink who he talks to and complains about his wife and son to, who, uh, just happens to look like Mr. White from, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, there's the black guy who really doesn't have much of a personality, he's the black guy. You know, it's just, like, the most generic kind of, like... Yeah, I mean, there's funny bits in the writing, but, like, the radio stations are all the same. The Most of the hosts are the same radio hosts as in previous GTA games, making all the same kind of style jokes. Uh, when I was when I spent half an hour trying to get up, up, up to the top of Mount Chiliad yesterday, I was listening to... Uh, there was just, like, an extended half-hour-long interview with this fake Paula Deen person just making jokes about how, oh, I'm racist, but here's some fried butter. And that's kind of the only joke for like half an hour is just the same iterations on that over and over again. Where it's like, oh, America, aren't we just crazy satirists of, whoa, isn't this just America? And it's nothing, absolutely I mean, nothing has changed from the writing perspective, which is, it's It's one of the, you don't, it's like, if, if so my counterpoint would be, like, if they're going to do anything different, they're not going to do it with Grand Theft Auto. I they're know. just not. Grand Theft Auto, it, they're able to do the lazy thing, and it works because it's Grand Theft Auto. It's the you most know? popular it's like video Grand game Theft franchise out there. Right? There's, there's no justification for them to change because it's, no matter what they do, it's going to sell a bazillion copies, and it's going to get, like, you know, crazy perfect reviews no matter what. Like, And it's so weird to see reviewers just being kind of tiptoeing around the fact that GTA is kind of, like, not that well-written. People are like, oh, yeah, these characters are kind of generic, and maybe the writing isn't, isn't that good. But, like, they don't want to say anything about it too strenuously. Otherwise, they're going to get a phone call from Rockstar complaining about, well, why did you complain about this? And so, but, like, that's the kind of part of Rockstar where, like, even the misogyny aside, the fact that, like, Rockstar feels like it be, can be that draconian with game reviewers and how their games are talked about... That they feel that they think they can control this the conversation that much kind of gives me pause about like buying into this shit. Um, I don't know, monkey pants. It's like it's. I feel like Grand Theft Auto kind of gets a pass for me for being lazy from a writing perspective because really it's all just such a shallow excuse for the mechanics. Yeah. You know, it's just like they just want a world where you can run around and shoot and 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 drive and jump and swim and play tennis and get tattoos and like it's just whatever framework they they can throw whatever they want they can take uh, cherry pick whatever elements from their favorite crime media and just apply it to that and call it good and that's all it really needs like I mean Grand Theft Auto doesn't really need as much as I would enjoy it doesn't really need a rich and meaningful narrative to get. A, give a meaningful experience. It's, it kind of doesn't make any sense because the the guys, the Dan Hausers, the the or the Hauser brothers who who write and, and make these games, 
they're so hell-bent on skewering, like, American pop culture and how terrible and shallow American pop culture is, but yet they're completely incapable of creating characters that aren't just based off of the broadest American pop culture stereotypes. And it just seems like the snake kind of eating its own tail a little bit, where they th- I think I think they think they're being smarter than they are when it comes to the writing and, yeah. the, and, the, and the tropes they're using, where they think, oh, isn't this crazy that we're going to have this character do this? And I was like, no, it's actually kind of predictable that you guys want the easiest, laziest way of 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 the plot for this game or like the characters i don't know maybe this like like i said i haven't i haven't done too much of the story in this game so there's plenty of chances for this game to amaze me with some kind of crazy plot twist or character development but it just really feels like another tt game which considering like they've been making these styles of games for 12 years now you think there'd be the the, the writing would have would have evolved just a little bit just a teen like i don't know but no this is essentially a sopranos meets heat and Foley just wrote me a note that says Grand Theft Auto is a Michael Bay movie, but thinks it's a Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that that That's... is that that is not the wrong way to put it. Um, so yeah, but I'll I'll lend it to you whenever I'm done. <laughs> Twelve years from now. Yeah, I, guess. I mean, you know, I because I, I I I did enjoy Max Payne's story and what they did there, and I liked Grand Theft Auto or should be uh, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. I think those guys are capable of bringing it when they want to. But why bring it for Grand Theft Auto? It's Grand Theft Auto. You just need to tell, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too, because, like, the Rockstar North, the guys who make uh, Grand Theft Auto, those those guys only make Grand Theft Auto games. Red Dead was actually was made by a different studio. Uh, Max Payne was made by a different studio. And it's funny how Rockstar North, like, I mean, they're the ones that are changing and evolving the least. Red Dead Redemption still had some clunky writing and stuff, but those, like, John Marson and his whole story was so interesting compared to... I wish I would have learned a lesson from some of the other things they've been doing with their other game series that aren't GTA. I was hoping some of that stuff would influence the actual GTA just a little bit. But no, it seems like the, the, the like they're completely... Like, the, the guys who work on GTA are completely sequestered from everything else the game that that studio makes. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, it, how can you be expected to evolve if literally your job is just to iterate? Yeah. But you think by, by virtue I mean, of just... iterating, you think after a while you'd kind of get bored of doing the same thing and say, hey, guys, especially these guys are, like, are rich and powerful enough, they could easily... They can do anything they want with GTA, and there's not not going to be a whole hell of a lot of people to question them. And I'm not saying that they suddenly have they to make the game like it. a babysitting simulator or something like that, but just like you could still do do a big open world crime game. But like, oh, I don't know, fucking Christ! You think you think they, they can't think break they it? Would, their, their primary job is not to break the formula. You think they so would how, be how... bored of this formula by now? Because what this is like the seventh GTA game of this like made by these guys with the exact same formula, exact same kind of characters. It's just like, damn, Jesus Christ. Uh, but whatever. But yeah, you know, which is funny because like I've also, I've also seen people defend the laziness of uh, the Grand Theft Auto series, uh, based on well, whatever it takes from them to make the most popular GTA games is worth it because the that pays for all the other games they make that are are more interesting. That's how you get the bullies. Uh, that's how you get your Red Dead Redemptions are pretty much paid for by the bazillion copies that of GTA that get sold. And uh, then I was like, no, but Red Dead Redemption, that's all a shitload of copies. Maybe. And so I looked up the stats yesterday to see, like, how many copies of Red Dead Redemption sold versus GTA? And I looked it up and I was like, Red Dead Redemption sold 12 million copies. 
which in an industry right now, it's it's it can be difficult for a lot of games just to sell one million. The fact that Red Dead sold twelve million is fucking bonkers. So I'm like, that had to at least been pretty close to Grand Theft Auto Four, right? Like that Grand Theft Auto Four sold twenty four million. <laughs> and so I was like, well, okay. And the difference is. I'll throw this out there. The difference is, is that Grand Theft Auto is guaranteed to sell yeah. that kind of those kind of copies. Where Red Dead, I mean, granted, Red Dead wasn't that much of a risk at the end of the day, just because they just need to say it's an open world game for the creators of Grand Theft Auto, yeah. and that sentence by itself guarantees five million in sales yeah. right there. But I mean, but at you least I, I, but, I, I, I like at least Red Dead Redemption is popular enough to justify its own sequel. It doesn't actually they, they they don't necessarily have to tap into the GTA money to make. A uh, Red Dead uh, sequel again, but I don't know. I don't know. What would the Red Dead sequel be mm. about? I hope they just do something totally different in the same yeah. world. Oh, there's there's one location. Was it Chola Springs? And Red Dead Redemption actually shows up in uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. I don't know if they're actually supposed Aww. to be suggesting that Grand Theft Auto Five takes place in the same location. Uh, Bill, you officially have put way too much thought into this. <laughs> just in that one sentence. I'm sure they were just like, hey, let's do a thing. We did the thing. Also, uh, you have anything else to say about, about a game you haven't played yet? No. Go ahead. Would you like to talk about a TV Go talk show? About Bad. <laughs> I know, I was about to say. Would you like to talk about a TV show you've never watched yet? Um, How was Breaking Bad, Bill? Was oh it good? my fucking god. Breaking Bad is... Should they call it Breaking Good? Oh my god. Yeah. It's like a fine wine. You just... Uh, this was uh, Ryan Johnson's last episode. Um, this was the mm -hmm. third to last episode. And holy shit. Everyone was flipping out about it online. Justifiably so. It's one of the best hours of TV I've ever seen. I hate to get too hyperbolic about Breaking Bad or how good these last bunch of episodes are or, or have been, but... Holy shit, she got fucked up. I can't talk about it, because like I said, I still hold a tiny little flame in my heart that eventually, maybe one day you'll end up watching the show, so I don't want to spoil it, or God forbid anyone listening nope. might want to watch it. But man, it's so, nope. man, Ryan Johnson's crazy, though. He's a good fucking director. That was a pretty episode, even aside from what was happening in the episode. It was just, yeah, oh man, I love that guy. Um, that dude knows his shit. Ryan Johnson is my favorite. You know, there are a handful of filmmakers where every time I go see one of their movies, I can't wait to jump into the future twenty years and just have that that anthology of their body of work to look back yeah. on because it's it's just every single piece is exciting and, and and different. And that's one of the things that knocks me out too because Breaking Bad being one of my favorite TV shows, the fact that one of my favorite director writer directors is has also been a, like a, a huge part of that show just knocks me out. It's it's like if you were yeah. really into Game of Thrones and suddenly Steven Spielberg suddenly decided he wanted to start writing directing episodes. It's like holy shit, that's awesome. Um, but fucking Merry Christmas, Billy. Yeah, Merry well, Christmas. Well, it's even like 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 little stuff like uh, at the end of the the last uh, shot of the episode is this car driving away and this little mangy dog walks across the road at, at at the sunset in Albuquerque and it's very just kind of very cool little scene. I remember watching that kind of going, oh, that's that 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 dog walking across the street. That's a very cool like little detail. That's that's funny. That was a very cool little happy accident. And then on Twitter, Ryan Johnson's he's putting out all the storyboards that he drew for the episode, little thumb like little very crude thumbnails. And it turns out like that dog was always something that he had storyboarded months before they even started shooting. Like all these weird little details that you think are just like the way that Walt's jacket, uh, Walt Walter White's jacket flaps in the wind. You think, oh, uh, but no, that's like something like uh, Ryan Johnson will have specifically directed a wind machine just so his jacket flaps in a very specific way. And it's just like that guy's kind of like. 
crazy ADD, or not ADD, but like a little OCD when it comes to details on his movies, which I guess you don't get to be a major film director without being like that a little bit, but... I would say, yeah, that's, that's where he sets himself apart is in attention to those details. Like that my favorite part of Brick to this day is still the shoes. That each shoe that each yeah. character wears defines their character. Like that's, that's the sort of thing that he cares about. And you can tell. And it makes his films, even his weakest even his weakest work is still fascinating what do you think his and worth dissecting. <clears throat> Probably uh, The Brothers Yeah. Bloom. But he's only done three movies, so... And Brothers Bloom is still a really fucking good well, movie. Well, by, by weakest work, that is probably, like, the lightest thing he's done, too. Which is, yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous to say, because yeah. Brothers Bloom has got some pretty heavy shit going. It's not a bad movie, but I could see, like... No, like uh, it's great. If it were a box of Neapolitan ice cream, it would be the strawberry. Strawberry ice cream is still fantastic. It may just not be as good as the strawberry or the, or the, or the, the vanilla or the chocolate. Um, it is only I would only call it forcing to rank it that is where I would exactly, rank it. Exactly. but um, yeah. he's just he's just a phenomenal filmmaker and he really cares and it, it shows yeah. in his pieces and, and after uh, every episode of Breaking Bad has a there's a podcast that the the show's editor Kelly Dixon who seems to be a very cool lady and the show's creator Vince Gilligan they host and they just spend an hour just talking about the, the episode and they usually have cast and crew members on and of course this week they had Ryan Johnson on there and Ryan Johnson just very cool interview with not even an interview but he was just you know and they're just shooting the shit with them for an hour and just his perspective about the show and his his role on it and just it just it just very like that even aside from the quality of breaking bad the people who seem to make it seem to be kind of cool and they almost seem like us they almost seem like normal people who are just like yeah we just want to make a show we just want to have a good time it's they don't seem very hollywood uh and especially have a director yeah. like ryan johnson who's not very hollywood too is ryan johnson is he from texas I couldn't remember if Brick, for some reason, I... He's I, from California. Oh, okay, for some reason, I was under the... He's from California. ...impression that Brick was made in Texas, for some reason. Um, no, it's actually filmed at the high school he went to in California. It is all California stuff? Oh, okay. But, yeah, no, it's... I can't really talk about the story because it's a very spoiler. Pretty much most of the major plot threads of the series kind of came to a head in this episode. Uh, there's two episodes left, and I would imagine most of the next episode will just be about the fallout from all the shit that went down this climactic episode... And then the last episode will be, there's one last plot thread that was left dangling from this episode that will be addressed. And even Vince Gilligan came out on this podcast saying, this is the best episode of the series. Like, we know there's two more episodes left. We should be hyping these up, the finale up as being the best. And he's like, no, Ryan Johnson, he made the best episode. This this, this climactic episode, which really is dramatically the climax of the whole series, this is the best. Like, there's two more episodes and those are pretty much just, pretty much just batting cleanup after Ryan Johnson's episode. And yeah, no, it was just... Like I said, it was it was the unique opportunity to see a, a fantastic hour of television for your your favorite TV show directed by one of your favorite filmmakers. It's just really unique. So that's really cool, Bill. I still this is gonna sound really hokey and momish, but I'm so excited that you got that. Like that's really awesome. Yeah, and there's, like something like this is probably never gonna happen again. So it's nice to have that one thing. So. And which, like yeah. I said, kills me because I know you like, you like Ryan Johnson even more than I do, but you also hate Breaking Bad more than I like it. So Not that you hate it. I will but never just... watch Breaking Bad. I just like smiling too much. <sighs> yeah, and and the show is not headed towards a good direction. It's not like you even could pretend to be like, well, maybe it's going to be a happy ending in the end. No, it's just... Uh... Oh, but Kid Blue shows up in this episode, too. Yeah, I saw I saw some shots. Yeah, he of find, that. He, he's like a firefighter. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He finds a baby in a fire truck, and they found the cutest little baby. Oh my god! Anyway, what else? 
Oh, did you see? What did else? You... All right, friends. Well, one last thing. Did you see at the Rose City Comic Con? They're giving a... not giving away, but they have puppies and kittens for adoption. Oh, that's brilliant that they got the Humane Society. What there. if you're gonna bring kids there? That's a terrible thing to do. If you don't know there's gonna be an adoption center at the comic convention, how do you take your kids there and not look like Dracula? And you're like, we can't, we can't. No, no, we got you. We, we got comics, honey. We can't bring home a kitten. Oh, my God. There's a whole box of kittens. Oh, my God. I wish I was dead. I See, at least there's a way to bribe your kid immediately. It's like, oh, honey, we can't bring home that kitten, but you want a Superman kid? I know. Seriously. Huh? So, yeah, uh, uh, you should tell Foley that to watch out that you might end up coming home on the bus with a brand new kitten in a, in a shoebox. Just a, 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 two armfuls of puppies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have, like, little pug Are puppies, too. Like, little... Oh, my God. <laughs> Friends, with that, we're gonna take a little break and we'll be back for the Geek Week in Review. <laughs> Speaking of the Geek Weekly News Review, did you see that uh, the, 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 the pitch package that the producers of Lost created to try to sell a- NBC, or is it ABC on Lost got leaked to the internet this week? No. Um, I guess this, is the, this no. is the document they created after creating the pilot. Where this is what, when they sent off the pilot to uh, ABC, this is the document they sent along with it. It was essentially the closest thing to a series Bible they had at the time, where they were just talking about, like, uh, mm-hmm. what they hoped the, like, the, the series might be and what the format of the show would be, and, like, like the kinds of stories they would tell after the pilot. And uh, people were flipping out because in, in the text they kind of, like, talk about how it really doesn't matter what the island is or what the mysteries are, as long as, the, like, because they're just trying to present character-driven stories that are just framed by all the science fiction bullshit and so people were flipping out because yeah they're like oh my god this is proof that they that the island was never supposed to be anything and they have no grand plan which no fucking shit that's no surprise but yeah it's, it's called watch the show you can yeah and, and like as much as i was into the show and hoping that there would be some kind of grand reveal at the end of lost that would show that there was some kind of master plan you couldn't be too surprised when you found out at the end like no they were just kind of making this shit up as 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 they went along, which is funny because yeah. uh, they're talking about uh, in in this little uh, s- series Bible about how one of their ideas for a future plot point would be that the uh, castaways on the island wake up one day to find alien pods suddenly growing out of the trees filled with aliens. What? Which for law sounds like so fucking weird. Uh, but, like, some of their other ideas, though, are totally stuff that actually happened, because they were talking about how, well, we might have this other group that turns out there are people already living on the island called the Others that are kidnapping people, and, and if we last long enough for a second season, we'll, we're going to explore these underground bunkers left by these scientists who were there decades before, and there was actually one interesting thing they were talking about was, this is the thing I only learned about recently, was how TV shows especially tv dramas need home sets uh home sets are an interior set that you could always come back to and film at if you're if if you're running out of money and you don't want to spend extra money on location shooting because in this in the series bible thing for lost they're talking about how 
okay, we understand this is going to be insanely expensive if every episode is going to have to be nothing but location shooting, uh, like on a on a deserted beach. We need some kind of interior sets we can come back to, especially if it, there's chances that there might be rain and stuff. We need some kind of like interior set we can always fall back to to help cut costs. We could film on if, if 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 it's raining on location and stuff like that. And so they talk about how the caves that the lost people end up in would be like Melrose Place, where like everyone would have a different cave <laughs> apartment. <laughs> On this, on the built like an an interior set they would build somewhere, but they also specifically talk about this is the genesis of why in the second season they find the underground bunkers. Without that would be the new home set of the series where if location filming gets too expensive, they can come back and film inside what it would turn out to be the uh, Dharma Initiative, uh, bunkers and mm-hmm. stuff. Which that's that it was. It's funny to think that the genesis of those underground bunkers was just a cost saving measure to save money so they didn't have to do quite so much location filming. Which I never thought about. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, reveal which i go into this whole thing that's how the tardis was created for doctor who because they needed a home set for that but uh, anyway so what else how you doing anyway that was bill's a uh, wikipedia corner <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile let's move on to the which which marble madness control configuration up and down or sideways which was what your favorite where you hold the controller like at a 45 degree angle like your little life lost your fucking mind I'm gonna uh, offend everyone by saying this, his name wrong, and I apologize. Hiroshi Yamuchi. Uh, Yam Yamuchi. Isn't it? It was technically it's pronounced Jack Skellington. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm showing my text. And Bill, how do we pronounce his oh, name? Oh, I forgot about this news. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Hiroshi Yamuchi. He dead. He okay. died. Uh, grandson of the founder of Nintendo, the guy pretty much responsible for the video game industry as we know it. Passed away on Wednesday of pneumonia at the age of 85. Yeah. Um, I it's It's been no secret that I've been working on a, a book about the history of Nintendo for a long time. And one of the big things is I was always kind of stuck for an ending. And I would joke with people, well, you know, if Hiroshi Yamauchi ever dies, that be, kind of becomes the ending of my book. Because the main character of this, you know, being a history of Nintendo, this being the guy who kind of made, made Nintendo what it is. Uh, you know, if he ever dies, I mean, that's automatically the, 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 that's my ending right there. And I said joking, just, I always said that jokingly, assuming that guy would outlive everyone. Cause he was such a bitter old dude who just seemed like, so like, he was kind of like a lizard. It seemed like he, like if there was a nuclear bomb went off, he would be the last person standing just because he was so, such a strong, weird old man. But yeah, no, he just, uh, out of the blue, no one even knew he was sick or anything like that, or at least nobody outside of his immediate family but yeah i mean he was 85 years old he can't it's not surprising that he died but yeah for such a it's it's so weird i mean he wasn't the founder of nintendo like i said his grandfather was the founder of nintendo uh but he was the second guy ever in charge of nintendo and concerning that he was he was in charge of the company for a better part of 60 years he, he he took control of the company in the late 40s and he's the one who decided to say hey like we this is a little card company but we could be more and he's pretty much single-handedly turned Nintendo from, well, like, this little card company in the 1940s to the, you know, the giant video game giant that it is now. So, uh, it's, 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 it's crazy to think he's dead and, you know, he got rolled up a lot, but I still don't, it's, it's, it's funny how influential he was to this giant industry. And I don't think you're going to understate, uh, the influence he had on, 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 on video game industry. And yeah, he's gone. It's, it's, Absolutely. it's a real shame. Uh, he retired, uh, 10 years ago. I think he only did, like, two interviews with anyone since he had retired. And so the fact that no one's been able to get mm. in touch with him and talk to him about 
about how, how and why he's, he made all the decisions that made Nintendo what it is. That's kind of a great loss, but that's a hell of a thing. Yeah, a lot of history has gone with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a hell of a thing. Um, it's going to be... Speaking of changes... Uh... No, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I was going to move on. But anyway, you were going to... You had some more to talk about? Oh, no, 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 I was just going to say it's interesting, too, because it sounds like uh, if Awada, the head guy at Nintendo, does get replaced next year, like, I think he might... Uh, because it seems like Nintendo is going to miss all kinds of like financial forecasts and stuff, and by the end of this physical year, it seems like they might be in a position to replace Iwata. Iwata was actually hand chosen by Yamauchi to head the company, so if he gets replaced, that really oh, that really severs all ties to the family that founded Nintendo. Not that Iwata is actually part of that family, but at least he was chosen by Yamauchi. Whereas if whoever takes over for uh, Iwata afterwards is going to be really just it's going to be entirely disconnected from the founding family. So it's it's. I don't know. Hmm. Anyways, that's I could go off about that for hours, but what else? <laughs> uh, uh, stay tuned after the recording of the Boy Hadi podcast for Bill's Nintendo yeah! Corner. You see riffs and riffs and riffs. No, that's interesting. It's 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 going to be a sea change at Nintendo, and I'm curious to see. I mean, it's such a small thing to have one man who's not even technically a part of the company anymore pass, yeah. but it does. It's that's the real. I mean, that's it. That's that's one narrative thread of nintendo is cut is severed it's just, and uh yeah. he was also still on on the boards of nintendo too he had retired from being the head of the company but he was still on the boards and his voice was still being heard when it came to making decisions at nintendo too so now that he's gone i mean if nintendo ever wanted to stop being a hardware manufacturer him being gone would actually be a huge like cultural roadblock that would now be gone uh you know, because, like, you know, it's, the Japanese tend to be very prideful people, and especially older guys like Hiroshi Yamauchi. I could see he would not, he would not want Nintendo to stop, he would not stop, he would not, the, he would not, he would not want the company to start producing, stop producing hardware, just out of sheer pride, but now that he's gone, they don't have to worry about answering to that legacy anymore, so, like, there may be actually more opportunity for yeah. Nintendo, to, I don't know, it's, it's, this, this definitely sets them up for making more wilder changes than, they could make if he were still there. I don't know. It's it's. It's but like I said, if Iwata goes too, I mean, th- th- this could really set up a situation where you have people who decide to make actual sweeping changes at Nintendo in the future. Who knows if those changes could be for better or for worse? And like I said, like the, some some people say, who gives a shit? Nintendo's not really that influential influential in the company anymore. But it is Nintendo's still a big deal, and if and if if they decide to make huge, I don't know. They they still have the power to make huge impact on the gaming industry and something like the death of Yamauchi will yeah. make a huge impact on the company itself so this doesn't seem like such yeah. a big deal on the current events of the gaming industry but it could have a butterfly effect that could make for huge changes in the future anyway I mean before the Wii Nintendo was kind of considered dead in the water yeah. and, a, and a non-entity and then the Wii changed so much and the creation of the Wii was largely emboldened by the success of the DS and supposedly it was Yamauchi who went to Iwata and said, hey, you guys shouldn't, even though I'm retired and I have nothing to do with the company anymore in terms of deciding policy, you guys should really think about making a dual screen handheld like our Game & Watch. And supposedly it was his idea, so... Like, so even huh. the success of the DS and the GameCube and the Wii are supposed to be built off the back of an idea for Yamauchi had. Who knows how much of a, how much of that's real and how much of that is bullshit, but I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up and stop talking about this, but what else? What else indeed? Um, uh, the Walking Dead slash Idle Thumbs guys have jumped ship from Telltale and have founded their yeah, own game studio, uh, Kempo Center. Yeah. 
In specific, uh, it's Jake Rodkin um, and Sean Vonneman, who are both Idle Thumbs guys, and they worked at um, Telltale for a while now. Um, Sean Vonneman worked on um, Walking Dead, of course. They both worked on The Walking Dead, but um, he worked, like, on Puzzle Agent and Monkey Island, and Jake's been there, was, like, their community guy, and then um, worked on Sam and Max and Monkey Island and Walking Dead and all that. And um, they're also joined by um, Nels Anderson, who was the designer and programmer on Mark of the Ninja, and uh, Ollie Moss, esteemed uh, graphic uh, designer and artist, Ollie Moss. Uh, this is a this should be yeah. good. I'm I'm intrigued by this. Uh, it sounds like they're being co-financed and being published by a local Portland app developer. They don't seem to make games as much as they do, mm-hmm. just make iOS apps. And so that's an interesting thing that like this, so they can just worry about content, and this other Portland company will just publish that out. Um, and I guess the the Telltale guys have come out and said, no, we've, we, we've put everything in place, so we, we've done all the writing and stuff that needs to be done for The Walking Dead Season 2. Don't worry about that so much. Uh, these, they still haven't said when that's actually coming out, The Walking Dead Season 2. But it sounds like, even if they're not going to be in charge of that game, it sounds like they've at least put their input into that game, what they feel like they needed to put into that game. Um, which is weird because games are iterative enough. You think that they might need to have them come back and maybe rewrite some lines depending on, I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what this means for The Walking Dead, which is Telltale's best game series because of these guys. Um, yeah. I'm very, and they haven't said what what their first game is going to be or anything, just that it's going to be produced by this local Portland company. And But yeah, no, that's interesting. It's, 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 that, that's a blow for Telltale, at least, that, 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 that they're best guys have left to go form their own studio. Yeah. I mean, I could see the... I mean, I can understand why those guys left. You don't want to necessarily spend the rest of your life making uh, adventure games based off of, like, the Ninja Turtles franchise or whatever the hell else. Telltale's well, even, license. even beyond just that, they may as well, like, m- m- pop... Uh, m- like, once you have, like, this really prestigious project with all this, you know, esteem around it, would you rather buckle down and iterate on that, or would you rather use that power to do tell a story? Really, do your own thing. So yeah, God I mean, as soon as The Walking Dead was, it's not like that's a thing they came up with. Like, it's still in service of Robert yeah. Kirkman's franchise, and as good as that game was, it's still in service to a, what sounds to be, by all accounts, a pretty okay comic series and a terrible TV show. And so, yeah, I could see why, you know, there's there's not a lot of incentive for them to stay around for a long time if, if that's what their future holds is just working on that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, that's very cool. In other news, the Cards Against Humanity guys will be making all future Cards Against Humanity booths at PAX a quote-unquote safe space for gays, transgendered, or people in general not, who are uh, nonplussed by Penny Arcade's politics these days. Did you see uh, that uh, Penny Arcade officially updated their harassment policy? <clears throat> what is the policy include not did you see that no no krahulix allowed like what what's the well that was really funny what? i'm looking at it it's basically like hey watch out for inflammatory language that excludes others and i'm like are, what are they gonna do when everyone reports mike krahulix <laughs> that's a violation so, of wait, policy. for packs <laughs> yeah they, they they updated their uh i mean it's not a bad idea to... it's not never a bad idea to update but like that's not what it, i mean hmm, that's not really the what it, the problem people really have I and mean, granted that shit happens at pax all the time it's never bad to like keep on refining the enforcement of sh- shit that's happening on the show floor but 
Um, well, no, I mean half the half the thing was that they had not updated their harassment policy, and it's like it, that's indicative if you literally don't like on a fundamental level if you don't make when you have a history of this sort of thing and you don't make that sort of thing clear and put it in writing as something that you will stand yeah. by that someone that can hold people can hold you accountable to. That's that's notable. It's not all that needs to be well, what done. What was the harassment policy before? Was it just a picture of Gabe and Tycho just shrugging their shoulders, saying no? <laughs> Well, no, it mostly dealt with, like, violence and, like, you know, don't grab someone's tits. You know, like, the more obvious things, like the yeah. physical things, and not so much the touchy-feely things. Oh, okay. So. I, like I said, yeah. it's not, I don't want to mock but it anyway, or anything uh, like that, but it's just kind of funny, like, yeah, I don't know, the timing of the updating well, this is, is interesting. Kind of I'm I'm almost as curious as I am what Penny Arcade does. I think Penny Arcade has done all they're going to do. I think between... Um, uh, the uh, microhulik making his donation and then this change. I don't. I, I perceive that Pax is there. Probably Penny Arcade's policy is going to be just to not talk about it and try to just move yeah. on. Because really, the com- any any degree of this conversation that happens hurts them, no matter what they do. So their best bet is just to try and move on. And um, uh, so, uh, but almost, I'm more intrigued by what other people do about Penny Arcade now. So, I mean, this is one way to deal with it, to still... Because, I mean, it's got to be big money for them. I mean, Cards Against Humanity, they're handing out booster packets. They had a big, big booth right in the middle of the Yeah, they were kind of the center of PAX a little bit this year in terms of, like... like Yeah, no, they, they like they had one of the best, biggest presences at PAX this year. And for them to... Yeah. I mean, PAX means big money for them and i can't um, that's got to be hard it's got to be hard to walk away from that when it means a huge has a huge financial impact on you so that's an interesting way to deal with it i'm curious to see what other what other companies do um to to handle the 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 penny arcade fallout um in related news notes bill rock paper shotgun has decided to stop covering packs entirely yeah. which yeah more uh you know more good to them um, I feel bad. I actually, literally, when I sat down on my computer, I had the tab of that that article open, intending to read it, and I'm not. I read it. It's, it it's really them. Uh, they they came out with a. They followed that up that announcement up with this isn't us making a big grandstanding gesture about how much we're going to not take part of packs. They just said they're just tired of. Uh, essentially, almost like my stance was where it's like not going to packs. They're not even trying to make a big political stance. They're just like they're just tired of packs and talking about packs and they're just they're just done with packs. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. They're not they're not trying to incite other people to suddenly abandon packs or anything like that. They just themselves just don't see any value in con- contributing talking about packs anymore. And yeah, that's yeah. completely justified. I mean, know. I feel like. Pa- there's a part of me that I feel like harping on Penny Arcade is missing the yeah. point. It's the the problem is not. I mean, obviously they've got problematic stuff going on, but it's just there. It's the culture yeah. and talking about packs kind of misses the point of the poisonous culture that we have. You can't scapegoat it with, by saying, "Well, Mike Hulick is a douchebag and says shit." It's like, well, yeah, but that's not really the. I mean, that's a problem, but that's not the problem. Yeah. It's a symptom, not the. Not, yeah, so. it's a symptom, not the actual source of. Of the things that are actually fucked up, not even in the gaming industry, but just in people in general, it's it's just one thing. It's like getting really uh, worked up about a runny nose when you got like butt cancer. It's like the runny nose isn't great. I mean, it's, but... it's it's really it is about it is about um, quote unquote geek culture, and it's also about internet culture. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Anyway, it's not interesting. A lot of smarter people than us have said smarter things about it. So in other news, like Breaking Bad, Mad Men's final season will be broken in half. Also, the guy who wrote Chinatown is now writing for the show. 
That's why I say. I want to go back to the Cards Against Humanity stuff, though. Did you actually, did you read their thing, though? When okay, they were go. talking about how they had the whole essay where they were debating whether or not just to completely abandon packs. Uh, yeah, it was actually a very cool essay, because uh, they were talking about that they had three options. He was either completely back out of packs, was it pretend that nothing happened, or uh, try to... They were talking about the worst possible thing would be if all the cool people actually did leave packs, then packs just turns into a goddamn septic tank. And so they were talking about how they do want to stay there, and there's people they like that they want to still have route reach with. Uh, Hold on a second. <laughs> the cats just dropped a refrigerator on Foley, I guess. Um, but yeah, the the Cards Against Humanity thing is 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 pretty interesting. It's 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 it's. I guess we're gonna have to wait for Andy to come back, because I guess. People are dying in her home right now. I'm gonna sing a song about Wario's Woods. It was the last 8-bit Nintendo game ever released. Annie, what's your favorite? I want to talk about Cards Against Humanity stuff so little that I had my wife engineer a lab bump so I could stop What it. happened? Uh, she's fine, everybody. She's fine. Oh, it's just... It sounds like a file cabinet fell over. Lucasfilm is using... Oh, so you don't want to talk about Lucasfilm. I'm moving on. No, but I'm just saying, you have to be... In order to offend a Cards Against Humanity, you have to be a real fucking whack job. Let's put it that way. That's the finale of that. (laughs) Uh, Also, Mad Men, what's your favorite Mad Men spinoff? You don't want to talk... Wait, have you watched Mad Men? I've watched an episode of half. No, not even a whole episode of Mad Men. And like Breaking Bad, I'm like, I like smiling too much. Well, it's got Christina Hendricks in it. And I really like, what's her butt? Uh, Zoe Bartlett. She's great. I really like her. But I like smiling too much. So no thank you. Uh, Anyway, so what else happened? (sighs) Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Why am I even on this? Lucasfilm is now using... Lucasfilm is using a heavily modified version of the 1313 game engine to show off, quote, a live motion capturing rendering, unquote, technology. The company hopes will replace the brunt of most movie post-production CGI work. What does that mean? They're going to be using this the engine they developed for a video game to do most happy movies? I was confused about it, so I'm like, wait, how does... Because, like, usually this motion capture stuff is usually done for, like, previs, or at least when you use kind of, like, video game engine stuff, it's usually... Pre- for pre-visualization stuff to see okay well this 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 big like like space fight we're gonna show we're gonna do you we're gonna essentially use a nintendo 64 to show how this is gonna look like in the final version uh but no what they're talking about is uh rather than motion capture rather than capturing the raw data and then just plugging the raw that raw data captured on the motion capture stage into a bunch of computers that like animators have to fuss with for months on end to animate they want to use the Star Wars 1313 game engine as it will render movie quality CGI live as it's being captured on the stage and hopefully most of the animation rendering will be done live right there so you can pretty much export that footage and that will be that's what you show in the movie theater like there's not not Hmm. much but using a heavily modified video game engine at this point, you're really just making a, like a live action. You're you're essentially just making a cutscene, video game cutscene, live on stage that's being rendered and just saved. Up. I don't know. It's 
I could see doing that for TV. Well, I yeah. guess you could say the TV is so high def nowadays. What's the difference? And they sh- they showed oh. they they showed a demo of this working, and it looked okay. It looked like a video game cutscene, though. Uh, they, they, yeah. they showed how like like they had like you know someone kind of like they had two people in a, in motion capture suits one person who's who was pretending to be c3po another person pretending to be a, a, a sand trooper and they're both like running around tatooine and they showed how like you know like like they had the guys like randomly doing stuff and they showed how this game engine renders that footage live like pretty good quality cgi but it still looks fake it doesn't you're not gonna trick anyone into thinking they actually filmed that out with somebody in a c-3po suit in, in an actual desert they showed how like even live you can change the time of day make it night make it day put in a sandstorm and stuff like that and so you're essentially making the movie in cgi live on stage and controlling all those elements but it's still just like it still looks like fake cgi bullshit it doesn't help the situation maybe it's easier for Lucasfilm and I and Light Magic less rendering to worry about later after after the motion capture stuff is done, but it's still, from an audience perspective, it's still like, it's just the same old shit. You're making it easier for the people to produce all the CGI shit, but it doesn't like, especially like the C-3PO, a guy in a C-3PO suit standing in the middle of the desert, you would think that would be one of the things you could film live action in a Star Wars movie. And this idea of, like, oh, we could even make that, like, this crummy CGI. Not only crummy CGI, but cr- crummy CGI created by a video game engine. It's just, like, that does not sound appealing. Well, yeah, but ultimately it's just a proof of concept. It is a proof of concept. And, you know, it's just it's just the, the start of this technology. They're just trying to yeah. see, see how and it goes. And, I mean, they're... Uh, there's gonna they gotta figure it out like special effects cost so much so much and they're getting less and less money out of consumers they have to figure out some way to tell these stories without breaking yeah. the bank i mean this would be a big Get help it. well yeah. you, it's funny that you talk about the tv but they're still supposedly at least wor- was working on a star wars tv series if they could actually have technology like this which which would actually produce crazy vast vistas like on the fly yeah. like on a live action stage yeah that would help the production of a TV series like that immensely. But Absolutely. it's funny that I mean, really. the same week that Lucasfilm unveils this, um, they also had a bunch of guys who worked on Star Wars, the special effects guys, were at some kind of panel this week where they were bemoaning the fact that most movies are pretty much, any kind of like fantasy or uh, fantasy movie these days is pretty much 75% all CGI. And they were just bemoaning the fact that yeah. like even the best world's best CGI still looks like CGI for the most part, especially if you're yeah. at CGI interacting with live human actors. And they were just bemoaning the fact that, like, you need to get back to, like, actually having real actors and real sets, even if that is still uh, garnished with CGI. You need There needs to be a pushback yeah. for more actual real filmmaking and not just filming, like, a couple weeks' worth of assets and plugging it into a computer. And I don't know. I will throw this out there. The terrible, terrible movie, Hansel and Gretel Beach Hunters. One of the many reasons why I love it so much is that there's an actual, they've got like this big troll character yeah. guy and it's a dude yeah, in a suit. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It's a I still need to see that. Oh my and it's God. a really good dude yeah, in a no, suit. No, it's a terrible movie. Oh. The witches are all makeup and practicals and they did it for budget reasons, but the thing is it looks, it, I mean, it's still, it's a yeah. shitty movie. It looks like it's an 80s movie with but modern, that you know, whatever. Great, though. Yeah. But it's so great. I mean. Yeah, it feels, there's like a totally different feel. Not to say the movie has no CGI, but the movie is better yeah. for having that well, practical Well, that's the thing, George Lucas it. is a big fan of like, he tends to complain that like CGI isn't any less real than than prosthetic makeup or or animatronics because that's fake too but at least that kind of fake 
is actually a fake that exists in real life. So at least you're not questioning whether or not it yeah. actually exists. It may look kind of crummy because it's just makeup or stuff, but at least it plugs into that reality. Whereas, yeah, like I said, even the best yeah. CGI looking, uh, best looking CGI still has that fake plastic sheen, and it gets hard to believe anything you're looking at when you're watching a t- uh, watching a movie that has yeah. so much animation in it. That actually kind of takes you out, even if it's on a subconscious level. I don't know. It's interesting. It's 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 yeah. It kind of goes beyond uncanny valley. Just just to basic aesthetics of everything. Not even animation of of humanoid character characters and stuff. But just I don't know. It's oh, speaking of filmmaking stuff. I mean, it's you like were sure. working on a video last week. Did you get that done? Um, <clears throat> I'm pretty much done. I just need the uh, art assets. Wouldn't it have been quicker if you could have filmed it on stage, live action with motion capture with ping pong balls? taped your face and you could have just like done it like that when when you're done acting as steve lieber you could hit the render button and then suddenly it's all done it would give everyone an excuse to do their amazing steve lieber impressions yeah. oh man i should do that i should do a video that's an interview mm-hmm. it's like a conversation with steve lieber mm-hmm. and every time you cut away to the interviewer asking a question it's another person doing their steve lieber which impression. is not to say there's much of a That'd steve lieber is steve lieber such a nice guy he's just like hey what are you doing i'm steve lieber oh he's great not like, i love steve there's lieber there's not much of an affectation he's you the have nicest to do. guy Why in comics be a very kind of nice guy who just happens to be jewish and just like hey i'm steve lieber he, no he has he has a very distinctive cadence to his voice that's the most charming thing and like the most amazing quality yeah. to his voice it's we're not so saying good. this because he I has some kind man. of monstrous lisp or something like that it's not like hey show me your no Steve Lieber. no he just kind of has this this voice and he just kind of talks like this everybody yeah, this, doing, yeah. this is a terrible terrible he's like a character from the, man i just watched the music man last night again oh my god he's like a character from the music man where it's very kind of like hey how you doing like kind of very yeah oh my all right, dude, we're at a deadline. I'm going to interrupt our, our Steve Lieber fondness fest. The Verge interviewed the guys who created the illustrations of the old Atari cartridges back in the day. Bill then provides a link. How was this interview, Bill? You didn't read it? You Tell me about it. What are your opinions? No. Amy, what are your opinions about old Atari... Meow. Uh, old Atari video game label art. Well, no, I think it'd be an interesting thing because their whole thing is that they had to work. They didn't have a lot to work on because it's not like those games were visually rich. So what kind yeah, of no, visual is, story? Yeah, you this tell is them funny because like the like the these these guys when asked to draw the label for uh for like Breakout, which is a game where you're just like a little paddle bouncing a ball at a rainbow colored wall. Like, how do you make that ex- visually exciting? And so yeah, they so what they did is they made a watercolor painting of Buzz Aldrin with a big highlight scoop throwing a ball at a rainbow in space <laughs> which it's kind of a weird way to kind of like make a story out of this very abstract atari visual but like yeah the things they had to do to create those labels and those atari those watercolor atari illustrations are so gorgeous like they're very 70s yeah but i love like the just the the artistic yeah. like the detail they had to put into that stuff i always thought was fantastic like the label for a haunted house is just a pair of disembodied eyes with bats over a over a house and just like I just like great stuff and yeah the Verge actually went out of the way to talk to as many of those artists as they could and well I'll put that link in the show notes but it's like that's not the world's biggest news or anything like that but as a no but that's interesting yeah, as a child of the yeah. 70s I just thought that was very interesting and which is funny and it's also preserving a very interesting and specific art and yeah. job in the past that's interesting and it's funny because like linking this back stupid shit back to Nintendo um the fact that the these labels were so completely unhinged from what the actual games look like i remember that being a big reason why uh when the the 8-bit nintendo came out here in the united states the nintendo entertainment system the boxes actually had pictures of the sprites on the boxes 
uh, which people go back, like, especially younger kids, they'll go back and look at those Nintendo boxes now and go, like, that, what? that looks like bullshit. Why would you ever buy a game with, like, a big Mario sprite on the box? Because that looks terrible. But people don't understand, like, that was, like, Nintendo showing, like, oh, this is what the game actually looks like. Because so many people were burned yeah. with Atari games where he'd, like, buy this Atari game and it's, like, somebody with a shotgun and doing this and, like, lassoing a donkey or something like that. And you play the game and you're just a dot chasing a stick. And you're like, what? That's... And so yeah. it's 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 funny that Nintendo kind of made a fortune off of just like showing off how how kind of crude its graphics were on the box, but I don't know. Anyway, enough Nintendo talk. Enough video game talk. What else? Nope. Always more Nintendo talk. <gasps> I can't wait until you turn this into Nintendo talk. I know. A lady found the randomly generated words "you <laughs> retard" inside a vitamin water bottle cap as part of a prize giveaway. Um. This, I actually feel bad for the poor marketing people involved in this because what happened was this was a, a Canadian giveaway. And so they had just a, a, where you would take off the cap and you would see like these combinations of words. Except the thing is, is that they had a combination of both French and English words because yeah. it's all French yeah. Canadians, right? And so, yeah, apparently people, you retard is the most famous one um, because, of course, in French that just means slow. Yeah, and, uh, exactly, but yeah. uh, they also the another word common French word is douche, and so apparently there was some those like you douche and you know like fresh douche and all this stuff like in the bottle cap, which is what you want to read when you open a bottle of vitamin water, right? Yeah. Oh well, I thought like I seen the picture floating around online. I thought it was like a Photoshop job or something like that. And no, no, vitamin was it the Pepsi company who owns vitamin water? They had to come out and say, yeah, we should have actually revised our dictionary used for the randomly generated words in this. But yeah, the picture is great. Yeah, lady's hand just holding the bottle cap that just says, you retard. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I was surprised I didn't get that. If I drank bottled water, uh, that would have probably been the first one I picked. But yeah, that's, I, that was just amusing. Let's put it that way. Oh, I feel, I feel bad for those poor marketing yeah. guys. That's just, that's not a proud oh, that, that's day. The, that's, I'm, someone's going to get yeah, fired Yeah, that's the that. worst thing that happens. It could be worse. There could be roaches floating in the drink or something. But yeah, that's kind of funny that like, that's, I mean, I guess that's why they put codes in, in stuff like that rather than actual words. Um... Yeah. Well, no, you just don't put in randomly generated anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. What else? Less. Well, everybody, that was the Boy Hattie Podcast. As always, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on the Twitters, boyhattiepodcast.com. You can leave a review for us on iTunes if you're so inclined. You can watch a, 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 a the live stream on, uh, on YouTube of this particular episode. You can see my cat, not only hear her, but see her. You can see my wife walk in and give me coffee. Um, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about more garbage and the steam box. I can't wait to hear what actually happens with that nonsense. I will also actually be done with work, so I will actually have more GTA to talk about. Maybe the Wind Waker, which I bought and played two seconds of, and turns out that's a game where you play as Link and you got a boat. I didn't know that. That kind of freaked me out. <laughs> and Aiden will talk about her exploits at the Rose City Comic Con. She will talk about how she had dinner with Captain Cisco from Deep Space Nine. And <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah. And with that high energy close, we'll see y'all next week, friends. You retard. La fama de Heisenberg ya llegó hasta Michoacán. Desde allá quieren venir. A probar ese cristal, ese material azul ya se hizo internacional.
así le quedó bien a Nuevo México el nombre. México se parece en tanta droga que esconde, solo que hay un capo gringo, por Heisenberg lo conoce. Anda caliente el cartel, al respeto le faltaron. Hablan de un tal Heisenberg que ahora controla el mercado. Nadie sabe nada de él, porque nunca lo han mirado A la furia del cartel, nadie jamás ha escapado Ese compa ya está muerto, no más no le han avisado